y dos. Y dos. Una. Y dos. Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC Livestream, the podcast. This show broadcasts twice a week out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Carla de Puerto Rico. And on the show, we talk about art, creativity, city life. From a Latino perspective, I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. And this is episode 31, Can Control. As always, you can find us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher, and also on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. Don't forget this Sunday, June 24th, I'm going to be at the Street Art Expo. I'm going to be signing, selling, and sketching artwork. Also, I'll be launching my new line of merchandise. Uh, so go look for more information on streetartexpo.com. And go find my merchandise on cortezNYC.bigcartel.com. All right, can't control. Let's talk spray paint. I think I'm going to start this episode with a little history about two companies. Now, most people out there might know or have heard of uh, Montana Spray Paint, but you might not know that there's two different brands now one is called montana and the other one's called mtn colors this is something that i learned about you know not so long ago maybe like 10 years ago this brand of spray paint came out called montana uh one was a spanish brand and then a german brand came out and tried to take the name and make their own brand and the german brand is the one that ended up becoming the popular one which everybody knows of, which is Montana. Uh, but the original one is still sold and people still use it mm -hmm. and they still buy it, but uh, it's lit. people don't really understand the differences between the two brands. So I'm gonna read to you guys from this uh, article on artprimo.com, which is a graffiti shop kind of website. Um, and this article is called The Story of Two Montana Paints, A Tale of Dreamers and Corporate Schemers. Spanish Montana is the first true graffiti paint. And they say Spanish Montana because literally it's from Spain and literally the colors and everything are Spanish named. Mm. So instead of green, it's verde, instead uh -huh. of, you know, and then people... And they have the factory out there. Too. And they have the factory out there. And English speakers that use this brand don't realize that when they say verde, they're actually saying verde which is just green exactly. and they don't realize that it's an actual spanish brand <laughs> exactly um but uh or amarillo is not amarillo it's amarillo amarillo uh, <laughs> which is funny uh but so yeah so spanish montana is the first true graffiti paint the brand was conceived by graffiti writers and as such is viewed by those in the know as the real montana in 1993 two barcelona writers known as muki and capi came up with an idea to create a true artist color frustrated with the poor quality sprays available on the market because back then we used to use Krylon and mm -hmm. and Rust-Oleum and I think out in out in Europe they used to use Belton um, so they were tired of the poor quality of sprays being used you know being sold in the market they decided to create a brand of spray paint that would soon change graffiti as we know it they approached Jordi Rubio the commercial manager of Felton an aerosol producer and the idea of creating a line of spray paint specifically for graffiti writers was born they laid out their vision of the paint line with more colors better coverage and more control 
that was a big deal back in the day. You know, in the 90s, I was around the same time in 93 when they came out with this spray paint brand. Mm -hmm. That's when I really started doing big productions. And there was a need for people like myself that were raised on like this very limited palette to explore more colors and try to do bigger productions, more refined artistic productions. And these brands were the brands that kind of innovated that, which led us to what we have now, which is like Iron Lack and Montana and all these different brands. Um, and back in the day, you had to use just the colors that you had from the... From the hardware store, like exactly. whatever we could find. Yeah, just so that, those. There's, yeah. There was no way to mix and match. We could mix them ourselves, uh -huh. but then we have to be scientists and start exactly. mixing spray paint. They went through all their businesses, you know, back and forth, like the business negotiating, trying to figure out how to get the factory to make it and all these things. Eventually... According to this article, in 94, they came out, they debuted their line at an event organized by Mookie and Cappy called Aerosol Art. Uh, news of the paint's cheap price and high quality quickly spread through the underground and soon Spanish Montana was shipping all over the continent. Um, it also mentioned that they were selling it first in Barcelona. That that's where they originally started selling this mm -hmm. um, spray paint. Um, so... It says here, this, of course, attracted money, money interest, right? And German Montana. By 1997, Spanish Montana's reputation as the primo spray paint in the graffiti world was firmly established. Mookie and Cappy and Jordy's company was pushing 50 employees and the trio, the trio were weary of overexpansion. All the paint was still homemade at their Barcelona facility and they feared of branching out because it would ruin the, pro the integrity of the product. They did not want Montana to become McMontana, like a McDonald's version of Montana. Mm -hmm. um, so they began licensing foreign distributors, and apparently this led to distribution through Germany. Um, and that kind of opened them up to Europe, to a bigger part of Europe. Um, and I think that's where it started attracting other business people to look at to exactly. look at it more on a business side and not on a yeah you know doing it for the love of spray paint and artists and all that and they i guess that's where they took advantage of the invention of yeah. the spanish artist uh, exactly so it says here uh german montana made a very lame attempt to gain the rights to the brand montana hmm. what they did is they they found another company that had a claim to montana through certain parts of Europe, Montana. It was a, a Switzerland. It was a company in Switzerland that already had the rights to the name Montana. So in 2001, they combined and they ended up forming a company called the German Montana, which is what we know now. Oh, okay. um, in 2003, the German Montana releases the first main line, Montana Gold, which, despite the sleazy corporate history behind it, is actually a very high-quality spray paint admired by many artists. Which is true. Mm -hmm. Yes, Montana became the premier brand because it made good paint it kind of took what was already established and built on top of it and now that's like the go-to now that's the go-to that any art student will go to and go to an art supply store they're gonna find montana, montana. the german mm -hmm. montana they're not gonna find the spanish montana. so then what about mtn colors so mtn colors is what the old spanish team ended up becoming oh i see they when they realized that montana the name mm -hmm. They, the guys ran ran away with the name and, and were able to still use it throughout certain countries in Europe. Mm -hmm. They realized it wasn't worth battling that. 
you know, so they, they figured they would just change their name. So they changed their name to, to MTN, MTN Colors. And what they did is they, they started a line, and this makes a lot of sense. They have their line, which is um, the 94s. They call them the 94s. It mm-hmm. actually has a 94 on it. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's referring to the year that Montana was born was in 94. Um, Montana Colors still does their thing. They have Montana Hardcore. They have certain, you know, subcategories within their line. You know, different price points and whatever. But I think it's really interesting to to realize that even within the spray paint brands, there is this Spanish, English, German, whatever, like all these, you know, subdivisions. Yeah. Within even the graffiti community. Yeah. Where, yeah, you have like the Spanish culture uh-huh. <laughs> representing themselves within this graffiti culture and making their own inventions and all their own things. And, and depending on what you're used to using you're probably going to end up using a certain brand. Exactly. Because it's coming from a certain place. But yeah, so Montana, the story of the Montana spray paint is very interesting. I think it was something that I I learned, uh, like I said, not too long ago. And it it was an eye-opener because I didn't really know too much about it. I, being a little old, a little more older, I I really couldn't care less where the paint came from. Mm -hmm. But now knowing the history, I think it makes me more like aware of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... But now, speaking of spray paint and paint that I like to use, um, I do think Montana, is the, the German Montana is the one that I is my go-to just because it's more accessible. I can find it easier. Um, and out of their brands, they have the gold, the black, the white, the chalk, the ultra-wide. For me, the black is fine. That's the one that I go to. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not really into the gold one. Montana gold is like the supposed to be their highest quality and all that but I, I don't really get into all that I, I think for me montana black is fine for the price and what it does it's very good the mtn colors the spanish montana the hardcore was very strong pressure um so it would like if you were doing like big pieces like mm-hmm. very large pieces yeah. it, it was pretty good because it would had really opaque coverage and you can really spray hard um the 94s and like the more finessed spray cans are a little lower pressure and they kind of tend to clog a little bit I don't know if it has to do also with, you know, just the way that the factory makes these exactly. this can that maybe they just never got past that that formula um, to make it smoother. But a lot of spray paints clog up also. Um, another brand that I've used that I'm, I'm not that crazy about, but it, it works pretty well is Iron Lac. A big complaint about Iron Lac is that it stinks. Mm. Like it's it's a very heavy smell. Mm-hmm. So it, if you if you're sensitive to the smell of spray paint you know aerosol and, and enamel and all that stuff. like it's, it's gonna get to you it's gonna bother you um i've heard about cobra have you used cobra, cobra? i use cobra hey how do you know about cobra i don't know i guess i'm learning <laughs> <laughs> yeah what Co- do you think about that brand Cobra's pretty good Cobra's good um it's it's less it's less expensive than montana um i think cobra is a little more appreciated with the bombing community okay because their palette isn't really mm-hmm. catering to like a wide wide exaggerated spectrum the way montana does mm-hmm. but and it's cheaper also um which a bomb a bomber would want to have cheaper paint you exactly. know they don't want to waste expensive and just regular colors whatever you have yeah. is fine um but but cobra is a good brand i've used it and it's a good brand i like it um it's, it's worked really well for me i've done some good pieces with it another good one that i've liked is evolve mm, which okay. is another cheaper brand relative to montana mm-hmm. and evolve i think is from florida and um and that's that's a company that 
like it's not as known as these other brands. Yeah. But I've I bought it when I was in Florida, and I've had some shipped up here, and and I've used it, and it's great. I think the colors are fine. The it it can be a little bit less opaque, so you have to go over it a couple of times, or you can't go over dark colors. You got to kind of watch the colors that you that you're mm -hmm. layering. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's but it works fine if you know what you're doing. You can definitely work with it. Um, Belton is another one. Belton is, uh, I think it's from Europe. It's from Ma Malatau, which would tell me right there. It sounds very European, right? Yeah. Right, German. <laughs> Malatau. But Malatau, Belton, that one, um, that one's fine. It's, it's a strong paint. It's heavy. Um, what I always liked about the, the Beltons is the cap. It has a special cap that you can push down, crack open the cap, and then it leaves a ring of the color on the can so you could always know what the color oh, is nice. that the spray can was yeah in case that you lose the cap exactly you will always know that it's, it was that specific color because it leaves a little ring of the of the cap um i see another one flame i've never used that flame orange flame i don't know what that is color 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 <laughs> yeah k-o-l-o-u-r never used it i've heard of it but i've never used it and i'm seeing it here on a website um yeah, and, and so let me talk about how I got into spray paint and why I like spray paint. Mm -hmm. um, I got into spray paint really to paint big. Um, when people ask me why do I like murals and painting big and all that, it's because I, when I was growing up, I never had my own room. Mm. Let's start there. Ground zero. I never had my own room. So I would always have to, I was always sharing a room. When I got to a certain age and I wanted to make art, I, I never had space to do it. So the best place for me to really explore and, and paint and draw and sketch would be on a wall you know if i would go out with friends the minute that they first showed me that we can go out and find a wall and just start painting on a wall i was like that's awesome yeah because i can't do that at home i can't really draw big and all that you know i'm limited to my space you know i'm drawing like in a little corner and a little table somewhere mm -hmm. so that was my intro I, I just wanted to paint big i liked sketching big and coming up with ideas on the wall you know actually just sketching on a wall was fun and the spray paint that we used back then was uh, Rust-Oleum and Krylon. And back then, Rust-Oleum was very, very stiff, a very stiff, high-pressure can. You know, your hands would hurt when you would use it for a long period of time. It was the paint. It was the paint that you could find in a in a hardware store that you would just steal from a hardware store. Mm -hmm. And it came in whatever colors it came in. And I remember back then, color was not even a real thing because we just cared whatever paint we got. So we would end up doing things with colors that didn't even work. <laughs> we would right. end up using greens and reds and, and black and try to make it look like something and, and not even have the right colors to make it pop. Um, but you would learn to just work with it, you know? Um, and back then I liked it. I liked spray paint and it, and it grabbed my attention because it was opaque. Um, you know, when I was at home, I would use color pencils and markers and things like that. And, and you know, you're constantly uh, working on paper, layering mm -hmm. one light color on top of another and, and it's see-through and that kind of thing. But when I got to a wall and I painted and I could lay down a heavy, a heavy color and then go over that color with another color, that got my attention. I was like, wow, it's like really opaque paint and it's instant. Exactly. You know, you don't have to mix the colors or nothing. Like, it's instant. Like, if I paint something and I want to go over it, I just grab the other color and go right over that color. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to worry about, did I get the right shade? Because it, it it's kind of like the can already came pre-mixed, so I didn't have to even think about what color I was using. Right. That was that was really fun. 
Also, the fact that with spray paint, you can you can use it like an airbrush. You can like mist. That, yeah, I think that's yeah, what that's, that's what nice. people do, right? That's yeah. the first thing you do is you want to do little misty things. Exactly. You that's think a that- nice effect. <laughs> but exactly, you think you're like, oh my god, I'm doing such a great job, but it doesn't make sense. You're wasting more paint than. Yeah. I mean, if you're using it for an effect, yes, but if you're just using it to sign your name and exactly. you're making it all misty, Carla. <laughs> That's what I do every single time. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so that was another thing was the fact that you could do mists and things like that. That that was an attractive feature of spray paint. Um, and then I think later on when I started getting into doing characters and I realized that I can work in techniques where I would work from dark to light which I couldn't do with markers and I would cut back once I discovered cutting back where mm-hmm. I could lay down certain shapes bigger shapes in, sh- in dark colors and then take a light colors and just do little dabs and make those little dabs take the form of a face or take the form of a hand or and I could start sculpting with the spray paint that's when I really got into spray paint I was like mm-hmm. well I love this and then I and then I started looking for other colors that I can combine to try to make my figures kind of look more dimensional and, and look like something like a person right so i think i think that and that was in the 90s that was around the uh the early 90s when i started discovering that with spray paint and and back then at that point then we stopped using rustoleum and we just only use krylon and then then we started getting with different caps like getting caps from uh, other brand other kind of products to be able to get a a stronger flatter hmm. dab of paint so that it wouldn't be so misty. And it, it was almost like having a paintbrush. And that started really making me enjoy spray paint. Um, and then now, now I, lo- I like spray paint because of the, now it's the variety of colors. Yeah, now you have a huge palette. Yeah, like now um, I really enjoy being able to go to a store, pick my palette, not have to worry about mixing paint or anything, go up to a wall and paint and know that those colors are really coming out and they have such subtle hues of muted tones. I love the muted tones because they really, it feels like you're painting with real paint. Yeah, now you even have transparent and like little, like kind of glittery type of paint. Yeah. But it has like some kind of like shine to it. Yeah. And another thing is like, it's it's fast drying. So you, you can paint and within two like a, a not even a minute the paint is dry, dry so yeah. it's a very fast medium which uh-huh. is great if you're working on a large scale thing because you know that you can knock it out fast um i think overall i would say people go out there experiment with spray paint i recommend it for everybody whether you're a graffiti artist or not i think spray paint is a great medium it's the modern tool for painting um use it this is what we've been waiting for Culture Talk. The Latino, Hispanic, Spanish, Spanish, Puerto Rican, Colombian version. Special edition. What are we talking about this time, Carla? Yeah, so this Culture Talk, we want to give you guys some definitions. Um, what does it mean to be, or what does it mean, Spanish, Hispanic? and Latino and we want to go over that and then we'll go over how can you define yourself okay so let me give you guys the definitions real quick from Google so for Spanish 
The definition says relating to Spain, its people or its language. I would even add its food and its music. Um, also, the Romance language of most of Spain and much of Central and South America and several other countries. Um, so that's the definition under Spanish. If you go for the definition under Latino, you hear relating to Latinos or another part of the definition is a person of Latin American origin or descent, especially a man or boy because it's Latino, the masculine, not Latina, the feminine. And then Hispanic, the definition for Hispanic being relating to Spain or to Spanish-speaking countries, especially those of Latin America. A Spanish-speaking person living in the U.S., especially one of Latin American descent. I think that is a key description right there. A Spanish-speaking person living in the U.S., especially one of Latin American descent. That's Hispanic. Um, our research, we found out that these things overlap. Yeah. So... The important thing to know about these terms is that, for example, not all Latinos are Hispanic and not all Hispanic are necessarily Latinos. Right. So Latinos are usually associated with being from Latin. That's the definition. They're from Latin America. Yeah. But not all of Latin America speak Spanish or yeah. are Spanish speaking countries. For example, you were going to say... Yeah, like Brazil. Brazil is part of South America, which is part of Latin America, and they speak Portuguese, so they don't speak Spanish. And also in South America and Latin America, there's many countries, Yeah. like I think... Uh, Guyana. Guyana, right, that uh, that they don't they don't speak Spanish. They're not... And they're not even associated really with, with Latin Latina. America. That's, yeah. But they are in South America, and they're in the center of all of it. Yeah. Also in the Caribbean. You know, like Jamaica. Exactly. Jamaica is not considered part of Latin America. Exactly. But it is right smack dab in what is associated with Latin America. Well, in my case, um, when I came from Puerto Rico, it was when I really got to know the terms Hispanic and Latino or Latina because in Puerto Rico, I feel like we don't use those terms because we use more like I'm Puerto Rican, and then if you go out of Puerto Rico, you'll always say I'm Puerto Rican or I'm Boricua or all this. Um, so being here, it has been a little bit difficult to define myself and define myself in a sense where, let's say if I'm working on something, somebody can ask me, are you Spanish? And I'll say yes. Somebody can ask me, are you Latina? And I'll say yes. But then somebody from somebody else that is Latino will come to me with a more specific question. Where are you from? Like, are you Dominican or are you Puerto Rican? So I feel like that will never go away. But now that I'm here in the United States, I identify myself as a Latina, Puerto Rican, uh, Hispanic, and the only term that I just don't ag agree with is Spanish because I feel like Spanish is just the language and it's just um, people from Spain, from the actual country. Right. Uh, but 
everything else i feel like i've learned a lot being here more being here about our latin american roots and how we define ourselves and how the term latino actually unites us more than it divides us but um yeah it has been a, a learning experience yeah i i agree with you with the with the spanish word not being a good description of a person yeah um i think it <laughs> i think it is just people that don't just ignorant people who don't know how to communicate who just refer to you as a spanish right right <laughs> are you spanish yeah. are you a spanish exactly like saying are you a french exactly which we do <laughs> we say are you a french <laughs> are you a german are you a you know yeah i mean it's, it's like yeah. german is a language like right mm -hmm. but german is a person too and that's the thing so yeah i mean for me we were talking about it and, and for me uh growing up the word was definitely spanish people would say you're spanish or are you spanish And then the other word later on, when I got a little older, was Hispanic. That's what I started seeing on paperwork and, and, and on censuses and like surveys. Like I would see Hispanic as an option. Mm -hmm. And only like once when I was in high school and, and college is when I started hearing Latino. Latino was a popular phrase that was being used, Latin American and Latino. And then it it took me a while to warm up to it. I, I just heard it from people. I never really saw it published. You know, I never saw it published in any census or or used as a real description governmentally so latino was always something that just it was like a description that we just used amongst ourselves as a conversation but then just to refer to latin america but then now i think latino is an, a, a legitimate description yeah that now we got new descriptions beyond latino you know what i mean yeah exactly now exactly now <laughs> we have latino and we're still trying to understand what it means to be a latino And now we even have the gender less, like gender, yeah, gender neutral, gender Latinx. neutral, but Latino, yeah, Latinx, Latinx. But to to bring it back to the Spanish Hispanic Latino thing, I think the thing that I've learned is when people have asked me, "Am I Spanish?" Uh -huh. I usually understand why they're asking me. Usually, when people ask me, "Are they am I Spanish?" It's because they need me to speak Spanish for whatever reason whether because they want directions yeah and they're spanish yeah speakers and they just want to say are you a spanish speaker mm -hmm. they're not really saying are you a, a spanish person they just want to know am i fluent or able to communicate in spanish and if it's an american saying are you spanish it's usually a negative connotation they want to know am i a spanish speaker for something negative usually it's something that i don't want to be a part of yeah um when some so when somebody say are you spanish or are you hispanic usually it's related to that um rarely does somebody say are you latino exactly because that's cultural and if they're asking me am i latino it's usually another spanish person another spanish speaker communicating to me saying are you latino trying to find out more about my culture and my background and where from latin america am i from they they get the gist that i'm not that I have cultural roots somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, and it has less to do with Spanish speaking and it has more to do with culture. So I think that's my big distinction in these, de in these descriptions um, from a personal perspective is that Spanish and Hispanic has always been associated with somebody needing me to, 
to be a Spanish speaker for whatever reason, for their agenda, for whatever reason they want. And they want me to, to describe myself as a Spanish speaker. And yes, I am a fluid Spanish speaker, but that's not what defines me. Right. Because I'm also a fluid English speaker. Right. <laughs> and nobody says, are you English? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just silly for me. But yeah, Latino, Latino. If, I, if somebody asked me to define myself, I would say Latino. And if you want to get more specific, Colombian descent. Exactly. And obviously born here, Latin American. Um, and then really New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker, which is its own description into itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the, to me, those are the differences. Now, something in our research that, I, that was really an eye-opener for me was this thing about how, how others, especially on YouTube and then these, these encyclopedias and, and Wikipedias trying to, de- trying to define things, yeah. how they define Latin America and being of Latin, Ameri- Latin American descent. Like, they describe Latin America as being anywhere from the United States border and down mm-hmm. and south of the United States border, mm-hmm. which is very Trumpian. It's very Trumpian. Exactly. You know, it's, it's very Trump times, very make, make America great times. Like... <laughs> putting a border right on the line of u.s yeah um while we have latin american countries that like let's say we're talking about puerto rico being part of considered part of latin america but it technically is part of the united states which is north america and then you have countries in latin america and south america that are not considered part of latin america because they don't speak spanish or they're not associated with it because maybe they're associated with france more than they are with with uh with Span- Spanish speakers or their neighbors or, or even uh, United States because or I feel United like States, yeah. when you have a connection with, with United States then it's easier to connect with the other Latin American yes. countries in exactly. a way exactly yes even though we do have the US Virgin Island and they are not considered they're considered part of the Caribbean they're not considered Latino as well exactly but um, anyways The, and, and, the, and Mexico, Mexico, that is considered a big old footprint on Latin America, but it's part of North America. Exactly. Mexico is not Central America. Mexico is North America. That's why the FIFA World Cup 2026 is going to be <laughs> North America and it includes Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but um, yeah, I I feel like before we were having this discussion and I wasn't getting your point, but it wasn't on the th- on the thing of let's put a border and divide ourselves. But in my point of view is that um, for a person to be called Latino, they need to be outside of Latin America. And that's why the term is used mostly in the United States. And they should be from Latin American descent. And that's what makes them Latinos. But, and this is what we were getting into the debate back and forth. Yeah. I feel that Latin America being described as anything south of the United States is a misrepresentation of what Latin America is. Latin America is all of the Americas, north and south, the Latin portion right the spanish speaking portion that's the that's what the description is saying it's saying in the americas mm-hmm. north and south america mm-hmm. in north america there is a huge population of us mm-hmm. 
that are speaking Spanish in North America, in the United States, technically not in south of the border Latin America. Yeah. So we are representative of Latin America in the north. And we, we, we populate Latin America, which includes North America. Yeah. North America is a part of Latin America due to its people and its languages. North America yeah, exactly. is part of if Latin it, America. If it's, if exactly, if we think about it in terms of how many generations of people already have contributed to United States society and economically, then we can say, well, yeah, obviously United States is built up from and by Latin Americans. Exactly. Plus all, every other immigrant that comes to the United States. And and there are Latin Americans who do not speak Spanish. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's another point. And that's another huge part of the population. The, because of that many generations that have already... Uh, being born and raised here in the United States, we have generations that don't speak Spanish, but they consider themselves Latinos because they identify with the culture. But but also because of the United States, this is what I was trying to explain to you, the United States taking over territories that are Spanish-speaking, mm -hmm. they are taking in Latin American culture by taking over those territories they're, yeah. because they're creating immigration. Yeah. And they're taking in cultures that are Spanish-speaking cultures into their... True. So, so they are a Latin American culture True. just by taking in Mexican borders, by taking in that whole area of, <laughs> of, of the United States that used to be Mexico and places like Puerto Rico that are part of Latin America but are technically now part of the United States. They're taking in their people. And by doing that, you're taking in the culture as well. And then uh, you're, as North America, you are part of Latin America. And I think that's something that you can't have it both ways. You can't, you can't be North America, the strictly English speaking. It's not human. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. There's no real borders. And right? that's why, that's why they don't have an official language in, <laughs> in the United States. <laughs> But I mean, it, it's gonna be interesting to see where this is gonna end up like when is gonna be the point that finally they're gonna to uh, they're going to accept no you know what yeah we we have all these people here <laughs> they build up this country no and they were in here the modern era and they were here since the beginning of this country because we stole land from them exactly that's the part that is like retarded exactly it's like it's like us what we're doing in the middle east with Afghanistan and Iraq and all this. It's just the same thing. Like, you, you're creating problems. You're going over there, you're taking over territories, and then you don't think that those people are going to come here? And then you think that we're going to be like, oh, no, that's them and this is us. Exactly. No, you're blending. Mm -hmm. The minute you go into somebody else's territory and you're bringing those people back, you're, you're mixing cultures, and that's just what it is. That's what the United States is. You know, the, the, you can't expand without taking in. One who does not understand their story, <laughs> their history, there you go. is condemned to repeat it. 
and that's what's happening with the United States. They didn't understand that the country was built up of immigrants from freaking England and all these European places. And they, and they came here, took over. Fr they took over, French, took over French territories. French territories, Mexican territories. Exactly. Spanish territories. And, and Spanish territories as well. Did all this, built a country, and now they cannot understand how the migration is happening. Which is the same thing you did back <laughs> in the day. Well, it's a it's a loaded conversation. So, what where, where do you define yourself, Carla? You're Puerto Rican, but what are you? Are you Hispanic, Spanish, or Latina? I'm a Latina and Hispanic. Right. I'm and Puerto Rican. I'm definitely a Latino, Latin American, Colombian. I'm fine with Latino. Latino I've grown I've grown into Latino. I, yeah, I'm when okay. I was a teenager, I didn't really identify. It was hard for it to come out of my mouth. Yeah, I'm okay with Latina too. Like, I don't... Yeah, I see myself as a Latina. Yeah. Well, you guys, what do you guys think? What do you what do you guys identify with? If you see this on Instagram, post on it. Uh, if you see this post on Instagram, like, comment. Let us know. What do you think of the description for yourself? Do you identify with Latino, Latina, Hispanic? Spanish. Spanish. Um, Chicano Chicano Boricua Dominicano Colombiano <laughs> Peruano Mexicano <laughs> um, Yeah, let us know what you think I mean it's. I think it's a, I think it's This is a multicultural conversation And there's probably cultures That we're not even realizing Right now in this conversation That we're not Speaking about Because we're yeah. not even aware of Yeah, and, and, and it's just Exactly what it is It's a conversation To understand where are we standing? You wanted me to teach you, right? Hablando español, Carla. Yes. Okay, let's start. What is spray paint? <laughs> I know we covered this before. Um, pintura de spray. Um, pintura de aerosol. Yes. Really? Yes. Pintura de aerosol. Pintura de aerosol. Yes. Pintura de aerosol. Okay. Aerosol. Aerosol. Next one, home. Home? Casa? O hogar. Hogar, hogar. Home is hogar. Casa is house. Yep. Home is hogar. Yep. Next one, wall. Wall. Wall? I think we covered this right. Pared? Yes. Next one, techniques. I think we did all these. Techniques. <laughs> techniques. Techniques on tácticas. Yes. Next one, factory. Factory. Factoria. Yes. Good. Uh, next one, Hispanic. Hispano. Yes, true. That's a good one, Hispano. Next one, Spain. España. Yes. <laughs> Next one. Yes. Romance language. Romance language is... Leng idioma romántica. Lenguas romances. For real? Lenguas romances? Yes. 
That's why you're having a hard time with it. Lenguas romances. Yes. Sounds like Romans. Like Roman. Lenguas romances. Okay. Okay. Which one you have for me? Oh, I have a bunch for you. Hold on, wait up. Okay. Let me get my paper. Okay. Ready? Yep. How do you say language? Lenguaje. No es idioma. Or oh. Carla? Lenguaje or idioma. All right. Uh, next one is migration. Migración. Good. All right. All right. Next one is identity. That's a good one. Identidad. Nice. Very good, Carla. You're very good at Spanish. Next one is debate. <laughs> I hate debates. <laughs> debate. Debate? Yeah. That's that sounds that sounds unusual. Debate. Mm -hmm. Debate. Okay. Debate. And it's and it's written the same way. It's written the same way, just pronouncing it that way sounds weird to me. It sounds yeah. like sounds, sounds like a different spelling. Yeah. Debate. Debate. Okay. Um, next one. Origin. Origen. All right. And I think that concludes our Hablando Español, Carla. Yes. Good, good job. Pat yourself in the back. Good job. Good job, everybody. We did it. Good job. Good job. Stay Spanish, people. Another episode in the bag. Yep. All right, so next episode is going to be episode 32, Sweet Expo. Mm -hmm. In art life, I'm going to talk about, because I've been preparing for the street art expo, I'm going to talk about how to prepare for an art convention. And on Culture Talk, we're going to be going through a list of Latino desserts. That sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. We should do a taste test. Yeah. And we, we should, should taste them as we talk about each one. That's a great idea. We should take one spoonful of each one. Mm. I already got my picks. I already know which one's what I want. Me too. I don't know what you would want. And <laughs> we're going to be hablando español. <laughs> yes. All right. 